Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you're new to the Bible, first half of the Bible is, is the Old Testament, then there's the New Testament. If you go toward the end of the New Testament, all the way to the back, there's some smaller books. One of them is called 1 Timothy. Uh, introductory thought. I was catching up with a few uh, friends of mine, Byron and Janet Hammaker. Here's what they look like. And we were, oh, somebody knows them. Anyway, uh, uh, and we were catching up and they were telling me a little bit about their Christmas time. And they did a family Christmas thing and it went something like this. They do this every year. They gathered uh, their three kids and their spouses and their 11 grandkids and they come over late afternoon and they share a prime rib dinner. That sounded kind of nice. And then they do like games and presents into the evening. And then they do this three-generation sleepover. Everybody stays all night and they camp out in their house. They get up the next morning and, and have breakfast. And here's a picture of this year's get-together. And they have matching pajamas. And as they were describing their story, a little bit, there was a part of me that thought, could I be in your family? Because it sounds like fun. I I love my family. But I was like, oh, what a cool family experience. I used that idea to introduce this question. What would your ideal family look like? Just pause and think about that. Probably most of us think of similar things. We'd like for it to be caring or loving. Um, (laughs) A few of us might think of, oh, if if I could just have a family that like didn't act like my weird uncle, like that would be, or does that, like some of, okay, so a couple of you related. Everybody doesn't have to, but like, oh, I love my family, except if, if, you know, fewer were in jail, that would be helpful or, you know, that. Anybody have a family that's a little wonky, kind of, uh, yeah, it's okay, we, lo- we love you, wonky, yeah. So you think, oh, I like my family, but I'd like to have less of this or more of this. Um, some of us might be thinking, just to acknowledge it, I just wish I had a family, because you're in a season where, like, family passed away, or, you, you know, like, just a, just a pretty good family would work. I'm not going to transition that thought and those ideas to a new question, Just tweak it a little bit. What would your ideal spiritual family look like? Probably a lot of the same things, but you would probably include more God ideas, place where there was the power of God, the compassion of God, all those things. Hold those thoughts. We're going to, for the next six weeks, explore what a healthy spiritual family might look like. The title of our new series is We Are Family. I got all my sisters with me. (laughs) I knew I couldn't do it. Some people are like, that's not what the title is. Sorry, that's an old song. We are family. Everybody. I got all my sisters with me. Okay. (laughs) Couldn't do it. All right. Really, the title is, we are, we are family. 
God's, <laughs> sorry, God's sons and daughters doing life together. And I would submit to you that that and how we do that is an important, potentially powerful goal. Because if the church, spiritual family, works together well, it can be one of the best things ever. It can be transforming for us, for the world. Oh, it's super important. By the same token, a dysfunctional spiritual family can be pretty painful. Some of us probably have stories of when the church or a Christian messed up this or that, and it was not helpful at all. So what we're going to do is try to grow as a church in our health and grow as individual Christians that we might all work together and it'd be really, 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 really good. Just a side note, part of what we're also going to do is try to just create more community in the church, more places where we can have friends. Friendship is super important in a spiritual family. So on FYI, Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have a party here and watch it on the big screen and hang out. Whether you, want, whether you care about the game or not, we're going to have like a chili. I think we're working on having a chili cook-off and lots of food and stuff. So maybe we just wanted to get that date out there for you to consider that. Today we're going to begin in, a, in this First Timothy verse, a couple of verses. These verses, when I was studying them a couple months ago, kind of pushed me over the edge and thought we should really do a series on the church and the church family. And a little background, the writer here, his name is Paul, and he's writing uh, to Timothy. Basically, Paul is coaching Timothy, who is coaching other churches or church families. And he's given them a heads up on what good leadership looks like. And he ends up in verse 14 giving a little more broad idea, and we'll just read it. Paul says to Timothy, Although I hope to come to you soon... I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, here we go, this is why I picked it, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. That's what we're going to study. Like, how should it work? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Let's go back. It's just two verses, three verses uh, two verses, I guess. Let's read it again. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Again, the series title is We Are Family, God's Sons and Daughters Doing Life Together. And today I want to explore two big characteristics of a healthy spiritual family. Let's pause and, uh, well, why don't you all stand? We're going to pray not just about today, but we'll pray about the series and all the things coming up over the next six weeks. Let's just, and if you would join with me in this prayer, you know, just be praying it in your heart. God, uh, will you transform us? We think, I think we're pretty decent church family. I know we're working hard at it, but I know it would be better if we were better. It would be more powerful. There would be more joy. There would be more transformation, encouragement, care, all the things that can and should happen in a good spiritual family. Will you bring that to us? 
And I have to include, Lord, our city, our community could use some spiritual health and help. So will you work on us that we might be more effective uh, out into our world? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for standing and praying. You can be seated. The first idea I want to talk about is a healthy spiritual family should represent our alive God, our living God. In the text, it says it this way, talking about you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. I couldn't get past that word. It's, we're, we're supposed to be the church of the living God, which makes a difference. Big difference between alive and dead. Amen? I was on my way into the church last night before service. Saw two fairly close to each other dead raccoons. Roadkill. Not like roadkill smashed, just like laying next to the road. Just to be up front. Just, what, what, what do they say? Just to be uh, transparent here. I had virtually no desire to pull off and hang out with the dead raccoons. Didn't. Really didn't, didn't think at all about, well, maybe we'll just stop and pet them. Why? They're dead. <laughs> Who wants to hang around dead? Not very dead is not very attractive. Now, the other hand, confession, I'm kind of becoming a cat guy. I'm so sorry. Got a couple cats about a year ago. And I really, yeah, last night, cuddled with Fluffy. But you know what? Part of what makes it good is she's alive. If I'm actually, I'm in my mind, I'm, right? Just so you know, if Fluffy dies today, no more cuddle. Like, we'll be done. Does that make, there's something, okay. This word about the living God, I don't know if we looked at the, uh, Definition, it looks like that. It means to live, be alive, not lifeless, not dead. And I had this real serious thought when I was thinking about this, about the church. And sometimes, too often, the church experience, when people come together, we'll actually describe it as dead. Like, you get together. Anybody ever been to kind of a church that you would describe yours? It's like, it's just dead. And I had this real serious moment where I thought, oh, God, forgive us at times for being like spiritual families where there is sure feels like, like no life. Just so you know, when God is around, things happen. I thought about in Genesis chapter 1, it's the first book in the Bible, we get a glimpse, the first glimpse into who God is, it's in the creation story, and it says, the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, that sounds all kind of dead-ish. But it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering. And I can sum up the rest of the chapter. Things, activity begins to happen. 
God speaks and then light shows up. If you, could, if you could just have a deck chair somewhere and watch the first seven days of God's activity, right? The light shows up and the planets move and the earth, the ground begins to shift and then waters gather in certain places and plants rise out of the soil. And then, the, then I think just the, the day of creating living be the plants and then, and then the animal thing, that would have been a trip to see all that happen. You, if you'd have been by the ocean and you would have realized, wait a minute, there's stuff moving in the ocean, I don't know, maybe seeing some dolphin things and, or birds right flying over. That's, that's my only sound, bird sound, right? And, and then, you know, you hear, you know, arr, arr, arr. there's, you know, Dog things going on here and, I don't know, stuff happening. There would be a, you would not, it would be noticeably alive. It just would. In the Old Testament, when God would show up, talk to a a man or a prophet or a person or a thing, Virtually every time when the Lord came along, activity began to happen. It was because he wanted to do something. There's virtually no Bible stories about Jesus who was God in the flesh. When he came to town, he didn't come to... There's, no, there's like no stories where it says, And Jesus, you know, crossed the Kidron Valley and went to Sychar and sat there. And did nothing for the next eight days. That's just not what he did. He came in and was active. I thought about the book of Acts. Uh, If you want an assignment, read the first five chapters of the book of Acts. (coughs) This is when the Holy Spirit came and there was so much activity in this healthy living church. Uh, the Holy, I can sum it up. The Holy Spirit comes. There are like thou, there are several thousand new Christians. They're meeting every day. That's part of the activity, part of the schedule. They just met every day. In chapter three, there's a story of a lifelong uh, man who had been lame, and he gets healed, and it creates all kinds of spiritual energy. This guy himself is kind of running around the outskirts of the church, jumping and leaping and praising God and probably showing people his leg. Like, look at this, my legs work. This is the best thing ever. In the midst of it all, there's a sweep of spiritual energy across the city and some stuffy religious leaders get irritated and, and kind of say to the disciples, stop it. Too much going on. We don't like this, Right? actually threaten them and basically say we killed Jesus we're gonna kill you you don't quit all this stuff and there's an interesting there's actually a point here there's an interesting comment or place in chapter 5 where a man stands up in the midst of this kind of religious leaders meeting and he says to them because the rest of them are thinking we're just gonna kill some disciples that will stop all this activity and he says Leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, I love this, you will not be able to stop this stuff. Why? Because God is alive and doing things. 
So to try to make this applicable, here's a fill in the blank. A good church has a general expectation of activity. That's the point I'm trying to drive home. An expectation of activity, an awareness that today, here in church, God has probably got a few things on his mind that he would like to get going. Maybe someone came in this morning alone, lonely. Different between alone and lone, like lonely. And the father is quite possibly thinking, I want to help them. Does that make sense? Or, or you might be sick or you've got a doctor thing and God's like, oh, I want to get involved in that. Some of you are thinking, you're, you're, you're like steering your life in a bad way. And you kind of know you might be, or maybe you're not. And, and it could be that the Lord today would be saying, ah, I want to get a stop sign in front of Jack. Because Jack has no idea where that road's like, stop. It just, let me give you a verse that gives us a glimpse into how God prioritizes doing things. It's the one where it says the Father, Jesus said, Jesus is teaching, he says, my Father is always, and that's something, he is always at his work to this very day. And Jesus says of himself, and I too am working. That is a great mental image if we're going to be a healthy church, healthy Christians, to remember that God is a workaholic-ish, right? Just got things to do. Sometimes even when we don't expect it. Just yesterday morning, I had a free morning. A lot of times I'll have meetings or things on Saturday morning. Yesterday was just a free morning. I had just a little bit of work to do, but I wasn't going to do it till the afternoon. And I was actually in a conversation with my friend and was describing to him, yeah, like, it's crazy. I, nothing's going on this morning. And uh, I guess I wasn't being super spiritual. I was planning on doing my Bible time. But in the midst of that interaction, my friend said to me, hey, remember this song? And he shot me to see, so let me text it to you. And I wasn't planning wasn't really prepared for God's activity, but he sent me this song, and I went out on my front porch during my, during my Bible time, and I listened to a four-minute song from an old Christian artist. I didn't have a clue. God was wanting to work in my life yesterday at like 10 a.m. I, I wasn't. He, it was one of the more powerful just moments with God. He challenged me. He encouraged me through this challenging song. So much so, I, I was sitting on my front uh, porch and I just started to bawl and just was just crying like a baby. I actually took a picture of myself and sent it back to my friend and told, and here, it's ugly. It was, by the way, mourning and crying. All right, here's what I look like. Okay, take it off the screen. But I, I was, you know, and I took a picture after I was like, 
had this just wonderful experience with God. I, I sent it to my friends. Thanks, thanks for the song. I'm sitting on my front porch bawling like a baby. But it was really good. And I wasn't expecting it. The idea is, could we raise our awareness that God is a God who's living, active, wants to do things? A uh, little, little side note. Our willingness to explore, is God doing something in this moment, will affect whether we experience him or not. Or not. Just yesterday, this is a little tangent thing I'm thinking about. Yesterday, so most of all the credit to that whole situation goes to God. Glory to God. I'm so grateful that he did that. I wasn't looking for him. My friend is all this. But there probably is a point where we have to decide, I wonder if the Lord is trying to do something here. And I sat out, went out, sat intentionally and played the song. If I dismiss the song, I never get to one of the best moments I've had in probably two months. Does that make sense? It's an awareness of, huh, God is around and wants to work among us. Here's a spiritual principle. It's not a fill in the blank. Most of God's activity includes a human component. You deciding, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm, I'm interested and open to God. By the way, we can also be that trigger for other people. The human component. My friend who says, hey, this might be helpful to you. Remember that song? Why don't you listen to this? All right, finishing up this point. How eager am I to participate with a living God? Great question to assess our hearts. And how we answer that question will have a big effect on the health of our church. First idea again, was a healthy spiritual family should represent our alive God. Second idea is a healthy spiritual family should offer immovable truths. Immovable truths. We're going to talk about the value of sharing solid truth in our relationships with our friends and in situations. The verse says, the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Quick story. <laughs> Sometimes I say quick story and think, you liar. All your stories are forever long. Okay, I'm going to try to tell you a quick story. Two, three years ago, I was in a mire, and they had the free blood pressure cuff thing. You've been in a grocery store where, like, you just can check your blood pressure. Well, I thought, I don't know what I was doing, but I thought, oh, well, just, you know, check my blood pressure and try that. By the way, I don't think I'd been to the doctor for years, lots of years. You know, and I put my huge bicep in this thing. <laughs> Mostly I just slithered my flab into the boot and, <laughs> and, you know, pushed the little button. I thought, oh, this will be interesting. I have no idea how long it had been since I checked my blood pressure. And all the little dials just went. And it really didn't say this, but it was kind of like, you're, it, uh, it was this far away from, you should probably go to the hospital. It was really high. Um, at least that's the little the little dial said. And so of course I went. It's probably broken. <laughs> probably wrong. So I so I went around, walked, and I relaxed. And I thought oh, I'm probably. And I went back and put it in again. And he went. So so I ended up uh, checking my blood pressure for a little while and ended up going to the doctor and shared. Yes, yeah, my blood pressure seems high. And so they took it. Great. Uh, physician's assistant, doctor person, 
And they said, whoa, that's high. Yeah, it seems a little high. And then she said, hey, we're going get to you, get you on some medicine. It'll pull that back down. And I said, nah, I'll just work out a little more, eat some beets. That'll help. I got it. Let me Google it. I'll fix it. So she was like, well, really, you know, you don't want it to be that high. And I said, that's, just not, that's not a problem. And so, so she said, well, let's at least do a follow-up in a few months. And I said, nah, you won't even recognize me. But, I, you know. but of course, I didn't lose really any weight. And it came back and did the blood pressure thing. It was still, it was a little better, but it was still high. And, then the, and uh, she said, we really need to get you on some medicine for that. And I said, nah, I don't want to take medicine. I'll take care of it. And then she said something like this. She said, Mark, you can do that, but you'll die. <laughs> Ish. I don't think she said you'll die, but I remember her using the word damage. Like, no, this is like, this is, and, and uh, I would tell you that those moments, basically, I'm so glad, I'm so glad she didn't like just lie to me. Does that make sense? It's helpful to know the truth about a situation. Here's a little fill in the blank. Truth helps. Truth helps. And not just in the medical realm. Relationally, if you're married, or even like if you're in a serious dating relationship, if your spouse or, or boyfriend is so sad with your relationship that he's like about ready to be done, it would be helpful for you to know that and not live in the dark. Does that make sense? If your spouse is this far from like, we're done. Like, oh no, that's helpful information to have. Emotionally, if you're on the edge of a breakdown because of the 60 hours, 80 hours of work, work week you're doing or whatever's going on, if you're just this close to, to, to frazzle space, it'd be good for you to recognize that. The truth gives us traction for better decisions and progress. Back to our text, it says, right, the Church of the Living God the pillar and foundation of the truth. Pillars and foundations, solid places are what we need so that we can have traction and get to a better place or stay in a good place. And Christians, followers of Jesus, the church should be a solid place to get truth. We do some ministry at a community center. We started a community center in a neighborhood not far from here, a little farther into Mishawaka. And it was reported to me about a conversation that uh, Pastor Kathy was, and, and Seth, they were coaching. They were trying to help these two people that were in a fight, argument thing. And the details might not be perfect because I wasn't there, but it seemed to go something like this. These two adults were, you know, chewing on each other, back and forth. Ah. And then the 15-year-old daughter, who was just in the meeting, spoke out into the meeting and said something like this. It just feels like there's a lot of pride in the room. That's 
lobbing some truth into a situation that needs traction. Otherwise, we're just going to keep spinning our wheels and nothing will get better. The church should be a place like that. You should be a person who helps people in those situations get a grip on truth. I'm not talking about being the, the truth jerk police that just likes to light truth bombs and blow their friends up when they're being stupid. You know, the people who go, yeah, well, how about this? Ah, you're an idiot. Just got to tell you the truth. Does that, have you everybody seen anybody who, may, they may actually have, this is a tangent, did you realize it? They may have insight into the truth, but they so do not do it in love. They just get excited because they know what's right. That is not near as helpful as someone who loves you enough to say, can I just tell you this? That's, you're being, a, that's wrong. Does that make sense? Not, that's wrong, I'm so glad I'm right, but that's wrong and, and will you please think about that? Because that's going to leave a mark, my friend. Does that, that kind of truth is healthy and transformative. And that's what we need in our life. We need it in the church. 2 Timothy 2.15 is a verse that I think applies to this idea. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved who correctly handles the word of truth. That would be good. Oh, if we could be good at the truth. Uh, one side note, and then we'll be finished with a fill in the blank. I don't think that this being honest and telling the truth, being a foundation for truth, is, is necessarily easy in our culture because we kind of live in a culture where sometimes we would rather not hear the truth. We just like to live in our little lie. A lot of that going on. And I found this quote that has stirred me and helped me to be strong, even in a culture that's believing just all kinds of things, like whatever you come up with. We live in a place where people actually will say, well, if that's your truth. <laughs> there is an objective truth, my friends. And it is not subject to what I think. There is a reality out there that is beyond my control of what I think is going on. Uh, I can't go on this weird idea. See if I could pre present it to you. Do I want to say you or do I want to say I? I am not that strong, powerful, central to this universe that if I begin to believe this new thing, that it changes reality. There is a point where we, as people, we need to line up what we believe with what is, what is the truth. Does that make sense? Because the truth is really not all that hard to find. We, we know the truth. This is, uh, I, I, was, I worked for a while in a psychiatric hospital and there were, there were people there. Sorry, I'm laughing. I shouldn't. <laughs> I remember one, one Christmas. We're going over. Look at your watch. We're going over. We're just going over. Just talking. I remember a Christmas season where we had people in the psychiatric unit who believed 
We had a person who believed he was Joseph. We had a person who believed she was Mary of the Christmas story. And we had another guy who believed he was Jesus. So we had the whole nativity scene there in the hospital. Can I just tell you, none of them, they believed it like to their core. I remember talking to the young man who believed he was Jesus. I, and he believed it to his core. Was he Jesus? No. He was deceived as to what he believed. Does that make sense? And culturally, we're kind of whacked out, and we think, oh, no, no, I really believe strongly. Well, whoop dee dooby dobby doo <laughs> My strength of belief does not make it true. We had, does that make no matter how hard I believe I can dunk a basketball, the truth is, that ain't happening on these legs. Yeah, but I believe really strongly. Okay, we're going to finish now. Sorry. Oh, no, did we, did we get to the quote? In a time, did we put this on the screen? Pray for me, Steve. I lost my thought. In a time of, here we go, universal deceit, Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. We need to be people who care enough about the truth, love people enough to say, I know that's what you believe. You believe it really strongly. Can I give you a truth nugget here, though? And also, don't, don't be deceived, deceived. The truth, the truth transforms lives. When we share the truth, when God gets involved and shares truth with people, that is a good thing. It opens the door to all kinds of better things. Last fill in the blank. Will I be an honest child of God? Let's just work on telling the truth. It'll make us healthy. It'll make our friends healthy. It'll make the church healthier. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.